The Rock and Roll Coffee Show is brought to you by Writers and Rockers Coffee Company, keeping the music and memories alive with some damn good coffee. Be sure to pick up your Rock and Roll Coffee Show coffee only at writersandrockerscoffee.com. And also brought to you by Retroactive, located at Broadway at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, keeping you retro with everything from 70s, 80s, and 90s. Shopretroactive.com. to bring you on the show because i saw that freak show had a new song out called loving you loving me and i was a fan of freak show from the first record so i was right. very curious when i saw you had a new song out it's been a while hasn't it yeah well just you know little backstory on that um jeff and i the day actually the day he died i asked uh the other guys to do this and it was like a shock to everybody's system because we this this project has been going on for you know like a year and a half. And uh, so Jeff was originally going to do this. We were going to do a new one. You know, Frankie died, so obviously he wasn't going to be a part of the new one. And that last version of the band in that album had such a bad taste in its mouth because of because of what Jeff and I were going through with Frankie Benelli. So we just kind of ditch that whole gig you know what i mean we we did we but we were thinking like hey let's do a brand like a brand new album brand new songs brand new vibe and uh it didn't work out so but the remainder of the guys we we put together this new album and then we got carlos cavazzo to do it it's kind of funny how he was in quiet riot too um but you know the new version of Freak Show, you know, with with Greg Chason and uh, Stet Howland and, and Carlos Cavazzo, it's a completely different, you know, uh, completely different vibe and different thing. You know, uh, we haven't even discussed if we would even if we were going to play if we're going to play like a couple of those songs. We don't we haven't even discussed that at all. But there was a lot of hype with that and, and a lot of people were really excited to see it and it never came to fruition. The, the, you know? fir the first round of Freak Show? Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. That first version with Tony Franklin and Frankie. Um, but Jeff and I were so frustrated with how that all went that we just, you know, we, we did a little tour in 2016. We, we, we did a West coast thing and we played those songs with a different drummer and it was fun. We got to hang out and have a good time and see a couple places, but we never took it beyond that. So we were, you know, we were excited about doing this new record. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, you know, he died before we could do it, but uh, we're dedicating the new record to him. And uh, it's a, it's a whole new ball game, but it's badass though, dude. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. you get so far in your life, you know, you do so many albums I've done Miss Crazy and a couple other bands and, you know, even the first freak show. And it's like, you know, it's a breath of fresh air to play with rad dudes like this, you know? Sure. Because they bring, you know, they elevate whatever it is you create, you know? Right. And uh, let's, uh, let's yeah. go back a little bit for people that don't know. Um, Jeff that we're referring to is Jeff Labar from Cinderella. Now yes. you guys, when you started Freak Show, you were in Miss Crazy at the time, correct? Yes. Okay. So what made you want to go away from Miss Crazy and pursue another another project? Um, okay. Well, I'll tell you how that happened, too. Um, it was the time where um, we had just got off a really good tour, and we toured for like a year and a half across the United States. We were playing everywhere, dude. You know what I mean? like crazy places like you know when you go to a state they're all like oh did you come here and i'm like oh yeah we went there but we also went here and here and here and everyone's like what you know so we played everywhere and got our name known 
and and our first album sold really well to where we even did a reissue called can't get enough which had the first album songs and then some new songs we had a new video everything was really rolling and then recession kicked in you know barack obama barack obama came in and became president and everything went to shit and we went in the tank and i was just depressed because i did miss crazy too and it was well received you know a lot of people bought it and we were getting ready to start a tour but it didn't feasibly work out and it didn't you know it wasn't uh you know it, it just every like all the offers were like half of what they were before it was really bad so that didn't really happen we only did like a handful of shows on that album and i was just like you know this sucks what am i going to do we can't tour i'm like you know in this band that has two albums out and, and everyone kind of it's a, this cool underground hard rock band that's making some noise you know so um i knew i knew jeff from uh just some comments that he would make about miss crazy because fans were saying you know Jeff, you got to check out this this band. It's crazy, man. They're really cool, you know. And Cinderella wasn't playing at the time. You know, Tom was having problems with his voice. So I was like, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a solo album. So within like a month or so, I I, I had all these riffs and ideas, and I wrote this whole new album. Um, and instead of doing a new Miss Crazy thing. I just wanted to do something different and give it a different chance because of the the situation we were all in, right? Money was tight. There wasn't a lot of touring. It was, you know, the end of 2008 going into 2009. So I talked to Jeff Labar and I said, hey, man, I'm going to do this new album. I got some ideas. Let me send them to you. And he wrote back, said, yeah, man, this sounds great. I, I totally want to do it. So. We, we, him and I started it. Okay. And then I knew Frankie from just, I had him as a friend and I, and I just, um, I messaged him. This is back in like MySpace, right? When right. things were good. Yeah. You That's know, when things were, yeah, when social media was fun and stuff. Right. And uh, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm the singer of this band. And uh, let me send you a couple tracks. And he writes back, you know, slamming songs, you know, made me feel really good. He's like, dude, this is great. You know, how have I not heard of you? And I said, well, you know, Rudy Sarzo was actually instrumental on helping us get off the ground. And he kind of got us a manager and and put out the good word. And, you know, before you knew it, we had a hit on MySpace and 100,000 friends and we were on tour. Nice. And, you know, so so he's like, oh, cool. So he checked with Rudy to see all of that. And he came back and said, hey, man, uh, this, these songs are good. What, what, what are you doing? And, and I said, well, what are you doing? Because <laughs> I know, you know, the, the whole thing with, you know, with Kevin really sucked. And, you know, he was he was just kind of staring at the walls and he didn't know how to proceed, really, you know. Sure. And he was he was in a weird stage in his life. So I said, hey, I'm doing this. I got these songs and I think they'd be right up your alley because they're leaning. You know, they have some Led Zeppelin vibe a little bit. Right. And, uh, you know, minus the kind of. You know, the hard rock songs that people expected me to do because I was just fresh with Miss Crazy over the, you know, over the year. And so so I had the mixture of of this of that sound with kind of a zeppelin-y thing and uh i told him i was doing it with jeff and he says oh yeah i love jeff this and that and you know uh he said he wanted to do it so i started you know doing you know tracking stuff with a click track and getting rhythms together and then we were sending stuff there you know back and forth and jeff was practicing all his parts frankie was listening to things and then he was like just send me all the raw tracks with a click track and I'll come back and, and I'll fly in and we'll, we'll just, we'll nail these tunes, you know? 
we'll go in a room and practice them to get some dynamics. So we did that. We did that. And then, you know, it turned into that. And then we were like, well, hey, who's going to play bass on this? Because, you know, now that we're this far. Oh, so you, you didn't know, have one at the time, a bass player. Yeah. W- when we were writing it, we were like, uh, you know, I, I, I just kind of played all the, I did all the like, you know, ghost bass and stuff just so it sounded, you mm-hmm. know, full, you know, so it wasn't all, you know, you know, that without sure. bass sound. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I did that and, uh, we got the nucleus of, of like the rhythms and stuff. And, and Frankie actually ended up coming in first, even though I started the whole project with Jeff and we were doing all this, but he came in cause he was like, you might as well bring in Frankie first because then I can play to him and it'll be more above vibe, you know? And I said, you know, you're right. So we did everything separate. And then Frankie and I mutually knew Tony Franklin. I met Tony Franklin years ago uh, before that through Bobby Blotzer, who was a good friend of mine. And I did a lot of songwriting with, and was just one of my good buddies. And uh, I toured with rat when I was in a band called Amsterdam. And so we had a good relationship. Um, so that's how I knew Tony Franklin. And then Frank Tony also endorsed our bass player from Miss Crazy, uh, Kim Racer. So she had all the, all the bass stuff and, in, in a, in a, you know, 11 Fender basses. He like went overboard. It was great. So I had that relationship with him already. And then Frankie's like, well, hey, he played on the last Quiet Riot record. You know, I'm all, oh, I'm all, I have that. It doesn't say, I was, okay, well, it doesn't say his name, but he's on there, right? Which record was that? So, Rehab. Okay. Okay. That's the last one they did with Kevin. Okay. I don't know if and, I remember that one. And there's one, there's one song on there that was really good. I remember it. He was playing it, playing it for me when he was there. Um, but, you know, we did that record. Tony Franklin did the icing on the cake and kind of made it a solo album for himself. But either way, the albums, you know, is what it is. It did like 18,000 worldwide and it got bootlegged like, you know, 60,000 illegal bootlegs in Croatia and Russia, which I guess that's a compliment. But, you know, so, you know, here we are now after, you know, I did like, you know, six more or so you know miss crazy records after that but again you know in these times there wasn't a lot of shows it was just random shows and i was just doing records and selling albums and stuff you know how come freak show didn't go further well okay what happened in the beginning when the album came out it got a really big response especially on myspace like we had a song everyone and it went, you know, it went on MySpace and it had a million plays. It was like, we were like, okay, this is great, you know? So like Wasp and uh, King's X and UFO, they all reached out to us, right? Before we even got a, a, a booking agency, right? And Frankie, Frankie, the guy that he was, shot him all, shot it all down. He felt that we should have more money and with with the money that we were getting offered to open for these groups, we wouldn't have, have enough money for a tour bus or we would have enough money for a tour bus, but we wouldn't make any money. Mm. So Jeff and I were like frustrated. And it ended up turning bad because, you know, his wife ended up committing suicide then we didn't talk to him for like nine months. And then finally one day he wrote us and the album was already out, you know, and we were like all just, just trying to keep things alive by, you know, posting some songs and talking to fans and stuff on MySpace. Jeff and I having long phone conversations, trying to figure out what we can do here. So we, we had, I mean, this is the story kind of turns into a nightmare. Really. Oh, no. It's like, as time went on, no matter what we set up for the band, we had like arm entertainment that handled like poison and a bunch of bands. And they were going to give us like, you know, a good headlining amount of money. 
to play like, you know, a club tour, all the big cities, you know, and this is like 2009 and they were offering like two grand, which is a really good amount of money in 2009 plus merchandise. Right. And Jeff and I were very excited. So we, we got the news and we brought it to Frankie and he just shot it down. Hmm. Said, we need this. We have to have this. And if this not, it's not enough money for me to go out and do this. So finally we got into like uh, numerous arguments with him and Jeff and I decided like, look, uh, Jeff had connections with both ACDC drummers, Simon Wright and, uh, the ball dude. What's what's that guy from the firm? Mm-hmm. Chris. Uh, you know Slayton. what I'm talking about. You, you know what I'm talking about. I th- Chris yeah, Slayton. I yeah. Chris Slayton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And both of them, we gave them the album and they're like, hell yeah, let's go. Let's do this shit, right? You know? And uh, Frankie went to agreeing to it to saying he didn't like those guys. This is the kind of stuff we were dealing with. But what what did that have to do with if you got a it different drummer? It had to do with that that he was the drummer on my originally solo album that I was doing with Jeff Labar and because he played drums on everything he took over the project and basically said and he basically threatened Jeff and I and said if we didn't do what he wished and how it went down he had money and he would sue us and take it into court, like threatening us with attorneys and stuff. And so Jeff and I were like so bummed out that we didn't, you know, we didn't even know what to do. And we, we couldn't, we couldn't play. Even if we wanted to play with another drummer, we couldn't play with that. It's like Frankie was such a, a crazy this guy. Make sense. You know? Yeah. That's and, too bad. You know, but he was known for that as time got like, as I started talking to my other friends in the industry, you know, I was kind of wishing I, I would have gotten a warning, but yeah, Jeff and I suffered with that. And uh, that's why that mm. thing never happened. It never that's went too bad. That was a great album. I got it on uh, iTunes. I didn't have a physical copy, but I bought it on iTunes. And to this day, when I plug my phone into my car, that automatically plays. I don't know why that album plays, but it just automatically just pops on. So, great, great album. I thought that was. Yeah, it was, you know? that was a great record, man. Good times. And then, so you guys at one point changed the name of the band too, right? To Welcome to the Freak Show or something. And we had to do that because even though we couldn't copyright the name Freak Show, either could Frankie Benelli. So we should have just played his freak show. I don't know why. Jeff was just so worried that he was going to come after us. So we did this little keepsake record where we re-recorded like half the album and then threw on a couple new ones. And we had this little keepsake thing for the tour for touring. Like when we toured, we could sell that at our shows. And there's I, I don't even think there's any of those left anywhere. I don't have I have like a couple in my closet, but you know they were just a little a special edition thing. And, uh, yeah, because we, we, you know, Jeff was worried that, that, that Frankie was going to come after us. Man. Did you ever get to iron that out with Frankie before his passing or no? You know, as far as that, all that went, we, we just put it under the bridge and, mm-hmm. and yeah, we made up, you know, cause he was, he was dying and mm-hmm. he was not going to live. It was kind of clear. Yeah. And yeah, we, we, we patched it up at the end and, mm-hmm. you know. I told him just forgive and forget things and it's not worth it. Right. Cause right now all you need to worry about is meeting Jesus, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was real honest with him because it wasn't about bullshitting. Right. I wasn't about a bullshit, a guy who's about to die. Right. We're, we're, we gotta, we gotta be honest with each other, you know, but I'm glad that we, we did that. Um, never talked about recording ever again or doing another album with him or, or even letting him know we would. Um, just like the project this was that that we have now um, with that song, which ended up being the last song on the album. That was just the first song we had mixed. So we released that song just to, because we were so behind. <laughs> that's, what that, that's what 
the deal was really is we were so behind on finishing the album and Carlos was just taking his time like a snail, but it doesn't even matter because Carlos Cavazzo is such a remarkable guitar player that he is so particular about what he lays down that I'm glad he took the time that he did because it was so worth it. Right. Yeah. What he finished. But that was the first song we had mixed and our producer just mixed it up, did a quick kind of mastering job. And it sounds way better on the album that's going to come out. Mm -hmm. But that little single came out and uh, it just let people know that it was real. Like it was, you know, that it was it was going to happen, you know, because some people are like, dude, are you bullshit? And is this album, you know, you know, think. <laughs> Because it was taking so long. Like, we talked about it like a year and a half ago, and then it finally, you know, it's like the album's not even out yet, right? Even though right. it's coming out, you know, very soon, like within, within um, you know, four weeks, right? It'll be out. Do we have a date or no? Not exactly yet, but I mean, yeah. we just finished the artwork. We got it mastered, and it's it's going to press in like, you know, a few days. So the turnaround... Mm -hmm. and all that and then uh the labels you know really big on pushing it we we hired the pr guy for kiss worked for kiss for 10 years he's going to campaign us for a good couple months and we got some brand new videos and uh we got some great songs like like that's like kind of actually like my least favorite song in the album it's weird <laughs> so you didn't want to wait you just wanted to get something out well, yeah, we just yeah, we yeah. kind of discussed it with the label and 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 everybody, and we had the song and and I and we had it mixed because it was the first song that was mixed on the record, and I sent it around to everybody, and then you know everyone's like, yeah, this sounds killer, you know, and and the label's like, yeah, and until the album comes out, let's just make this little lyric video, and we'll just see, you know, what kind of responses we get, you know, and what, what label you know, is it with? Uh, Eonian Records. Okay. And they specialize, you know, in, in hard rock, you know, worldwide distribution, really good, good stuff going on in Japan and Europe. And it's a it's a great label that, you know, really understands exactly what they wanted with this. Like we discussed this fully, like they were really involved in in getting this re record done and how we were going to do it, you know, and in and, and my techniques of of getting riffs together and doing do my whole process, you know, of how, how I do it. And then everybody getting involved and in how we did it, sending stuff back and forth to each other. And it was great. So are you, you're the main songwriter. You write everything. Yeah. But, but, you know, we, we did it all together. Like it all, like when you get the record, it's going to say all our names on the songs, mm -hmm. you know, there's, we didn't, we're not doing it to where, so-and-so wrote it so so-and-so gets paid it's like this is a you know all of us 25 25 25 25 right you know it's a it's a it's a group effort doesn't matter who wrote what but without anybody involved it wouldn't be what it is like you know carlos that guy not only does he do like you know who's ripping solos it's been a while since he's had full control of an album you know, where he's the main dude on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is a band where, you know, you got your main every dude and every guy shines, right? Like Greg, you know, he 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 has another band called Atomic Kings where they just released an album like a few months, like, you know, three, four months ago. And, uh, you know, but he hadn't really done anything like this since Badlands, you know, and, and uh, he, he, brought it so ridiculously great like he is him and stet are just so awesome together right so my job was easy because you know i'm the only guy in the band who uh you know had posters of all these guys on my wall when i was growing up sure. you know where they didn't have posters of me <laughs> maybe maybe so, they do now well, maybe we will, because I think we're getting we're coming out with the poster, too. So you have to tell but, them to hang it on their wall. But Most it's kind of cool, you know, that I, I get to play with dudes that were like heroes of mine. You know, like when I learned to play guitar, I had this checkerboarded Hondo. Right. And I had a Randall RG80 practice amp 
and I was just learning how to do riffs and I heard metal health on the radio. So I went and got that album. I got that Queens Rikes four song EP and Metallica kill them all. And that's what I, I took the needle on the record band, you know, showing my age and I put it down and I just started, you know, realizing that the quiet riot album was tuned to half step. So I had to do that. But the other tunes were in 440, and that's how I learned how I know how to play guitar. And then after that, everything started becoming easier, right? I started hearing things like, oh, that's what he's doing, yeah, right? Yeah. Were you a guitar player before a singer? I'd probably say I was, but I could sing because I was that kid who, uh, like, you know, around his friends growing up in, like, you know, the fourth grade, fifth grade, I would always try to imitate the bands that I was into. And I always try to imitate people, which I still do that to this day. Like when you get this new album, it's not like the first album at all. Oh no. Like I hard like I hardly even sing like the Miss Crazy dude. Because I was so in Miss Crazy mode, right? Because that was reinventing my career with Miss Crazy. See, before that I was in a band called Amsterdam and I did albums with with you know a band called Trixie. And we had albums out all over the world and stuff. And I toured with Rat, with Amsterdam. So going under the name Ronnie Borshirt, like I do now, I changed my name to Marcus Allen Christopher, which my middle name's Allen, my brother's name's Marcus, and my other brother's name's Christopher. So I made this name, and I put makeup on, and, you know, and then I changed my voice to singing, like, you know, that raspy voice that I kind of came up with in the shower. I swear, I never sang like that before, right? that home is crazy style. That was something I was just like, every once in a while, I try to do something like Joe Elliott in the shower or like hell's bells, right. By ACDC. And I'm like, Whoa. And then I tried singing Cinderella and I'm like, Holy shit, I can do this. <laughs> you know, like I didn't, I didn't know I could ever even do that. So I've been in like, you know, I've already done like 10 albums with other bands. And, and then I come up with Miss crazy idea. And I switched the voice up, do something I've never done before, throw on makeup, change my name, and nobody even knew other than my close friends, right? Okay. So right. when I walked when I walked into Freak Show, the Freak Show One, I was Marcus. Like every time I talked to to Jeff Labar, you know, he'd call me, go, or he'd leave messages. He'd be like, "Hey, Marcus, what are you doing? It's Jeff," <laughs> you know, with his Philly act. So he he didn't know your real name. No, no. He well, eventually, eventually, he found yeah, out. yeah. What yeah, was because, his reaction when you told him? Well, it, it didn't come out like that. It, uh, I didn't have to tell people what happened. Was some I don't know who, but someone on Facebook reported me and said that wasn't my real name and that that wasn't a real person. So they locked me out of my account. Right. And I had to, to, in order to get back into my account, I had to send them a picture of my ID, but I didn't have an ID that said Marcus Allen Christopher, just my real name. So Facebook ousted me. And then all my friends were like, who in the hell is that? And I'm like, oh, that's my real name now. So yeah. You know, yeah. And they're all, wait, uh. I know that dude from this band. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the same guy. <laughs> but, so and the story, you know, long story short, I just started, you know, who knows me as that, they know me as that, and then they know me my real name, you know? Yeah, yeah. So if that never happened, would I be talking to Marcus now? You would be. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's funny. But whatever, it, yeah. it, it works out, and now everyone knows all my bands, and, you yeah. know, the label I'm with now owns my whole catalog, so they got it all, so it's it's all good. Okay. Um, what made you want to get freak show back started again? Uh, well, Jeff, you know, Jeff dying because we were, we were putting together a new project, right? We were going to do something brand new and we were debating on whether to use that name freak show. We were thinking like, should we just come up with something brand new since we're going to have brand new guys, you know? And so we we didn't actually finalize that, but we were. He was going to finish doing a solo album with his son, 
Sebastian. And then once he was doing that, it was going to be called Labar Labar. And once he was done with that, we were going to do this new thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I got stat, you know, I'm going to start fishing around for bass players. And uh, he's like, all right, I'm excited about it. Let's do this. And then when I started fishing around and, and coming down to, you know, who we were going to have, he, he died. Right. And I was just blown away because I was just, I was just talking to him, you know, and that's a whole nother story on what, how that all went down. But, uh, I decided to keep the fire, you know, like I got a call from step one day and he says, Hey man, you still want to, you still want to do this album? Let's, you know, let's just find somebody else and, and we'll dedicate it to them. And we'll, we'll, we'll just, well, let's make, let's do a killer album. I've always wanted to do this album with you anyway. Cause Stett and I have been friends for like over 20 years, right? We, okay. he played on this album I did a long time. We, we did the song for Shaquille O'Neal. So we Shaq. played together. Yeah. For Shaq. <laughs> and he, he, it was funny because once we gave him the song, when we were done, Shaq's all, it's okay. <laughs> we're all kind of like, oh. But either way, that was, you know, and then, so we wanted to play together for a long time. So I I asked Carlos, you know, I just emailed Carlos. Um, I'd known Carlos from when the first freak show went to shit. He kind of figured it was going to happen with Frankie. And he had a lot of bad experiences with Frankie too, right? And, uh, yeah, so we had that in common, but, uh, I, you know, I, you know, I mentioned to him what we had, we were doing eventually and originally, and I said, would you want to come in and, you know, do this record with us? And he's like, yeah, man, I totally would, you know, and he's been nothing but a great vibe. Like since he got involved with, he was kind of quiet in the beginning and we were wondering like, shit is even alive. And then he just show up and then, and then out of the blue, you know, he just started sending us tracks of him doing this and that. And it was just going down the line. It was great. And it's just great. We came out with this album and now we're all like, we were just going to do an album and just put it out, dedicate it to Jeff and be done with it. Like we weren't, we weren't going to do videos or think about playing live or get a booking agent or, you know, thinking all this stuff, but here we are now. Right. Right. Because the album came out so good. We didn't we didn't expect it to. Okay. I, so I don't know. I I just kind of thought, you know, it would be where there's a couple of cool tunes. I didn't think that it was like all the tunes are going to be great. You know? Yeah. So it's actually a band and not a project. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. It's like it's it's more like, you know. Carlos was like, you know, I don't really want to play like he just did a King Cobra thing with Carmine Apathy or a piece or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. him. And Rowan Robertson and and uh, I think Paul Shorantino. But, you know, that was that. And there was another guitar player there. And he wasn't, you know, I don't I don't know that he's not going to play with them, but he it, I don't think he really wanted to be in a band or do anything. And um, but, you know, he was into this and, and we had a great time together. Like when we got together to do the videos and we all were in the same hotel together, it was like. It was a really good bonding thing. We all had a lot of the same interests. You know, we got along and it was really fun. And, uh, you know, it turned into, well, you know, let's see what happens. You know, if the album's well received and, you know, the Kiss PR guy does his thing and the label pushes it and, and the songs are well received, let's, you know, well, let's go and start playing, you know. And Carlos already said, hey, I'll do some festivals and, you know, Stet texted me today and said, hey, man, my guy who books all the festivals for Metal Church, he wants to book us on, metal, on, on you know, festivals. That's fantastic. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, this went to not playing any gigs with Frankie Benelli to doing festivals with Stet Howland, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Let alone two different kind of guys, you know. You got Frankie Benelli, you know, that 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 quiet riot guy, you know, and then he was in wasp and then Stet takes over in wasp, but see Stet's like Tommy Aldridge, you know, he's like a, he's, he's that, that level of drummer. He's a monster. 
he's incredible. And it's, 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 and that's the funnest thing about this album is that anybody that knows Stet is going to go, Oh man, what did Stet do? Right. And it, it was great because when I initially sent it, I sent like, I did everything to a click track and I did a scratch guitar track and then I sent it to him and he did his tracks to that. And then I redid all the guitar tracks to him. So I replayed it to him and man, dude, that dude's insane. So this record you know? was recorded all remotely. Like you all. Yeah. We, right, okay. Yeah. Different places, different times. And, and it was awesome. You know, because we were all talking, it was like so easy to do because we were totally communicating, right? Then we're talking about this and that, and then we could send ideas and say yeses or nos and that. But it really, with Stet, you don't have to do that, right? Like I didn't have to go, oh, I don't think so, or um, try this. He knows, right? And so what he did is he recorded it and then listened back to it for a few days and then went, nope, got to do it again. And then I think he did it again. I think like the, the one we have is like the third time, right? So it got, it's really good. Like the drums like really are the foundation of this badass album to where pieces were made to the top of it, you know? And then Carlos with his, his solos. And then he doesn't just, you know, do solos. He does all the textures and all the rhythms. Like we're, it's just like a full on album. We all did everything together. And you and got Greg even, involved as well. Yeah, and, and dude, you know, I I, I got to be honest with you, you know, I won't lie. I listened to those three Badlands albums, and I just got that third one because I didn't even know that existed. There's this third one. Did you even know there's a I third one? I don't think I knew that either. What is that one? There's this third one, dude. It's just <laughs> out of the blue. But, you know, Greg told me the story behind it. He says, dude, we, we were going in to do our third album, and we went in the studio that we always record in and everything was mic'd up all killer. And we just went through all the tunes, no overdubs. It was basically like a live album, but recorded without a crowd. What and was that called? Do you, do you know, do you remember? I may have known about that. I had Greg on this show a long time ago before I was even doing video. He may have. Yeah. So anyways, but it's mixed up like a Badlands record, you know? Mm. It sounds like in between the first album and the second album. So I have all three, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just going, shit, what's this guy going to do? Because he's like, this guy's great. But he's never played with two guitar players. He's played with Jakey e. Lee, you know, single, where he's just, you know. But then there were some with rhythms behind him. But, you know, he would play more like, that kind of bass player where you don't, you know, there's like Bob Daisley, right. With Randy Rhodes, you know, and he ended up playing like that. You know, he came in and really like, he did all that fancy stuff, you know? And yeah. That's how great. he plays. He, he, we talked about some bass when he was on the show and he, I remember him saying how he doesn't just ride on those notes. You know, he's moving that bass around when he plays. And, and I know, and I knew he was going to play killer too, because, I got his address and I sent him, uh, I sent him the first freak show album, right? Just to, so, you know, just so he, he could get a vibe of, of my trip and how I could write. And, and I sent him this crazy album and stuff so he could get, you know, a little into what my style was. And then he, he, you know, we had, he calls me, he goes, dude, Tony Franklin's on this, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, you know, you know, how Tony Franklin plays. So he was like, really into he brought it like a hundred percent and i'd have to say dude this is like some of his the best greg bass playing but you know what if you do an album with greg and, and or i'm doing an album with any of these guys of course i'm gonna say that right like whoever's right. watching this is probably you know, <laughs> of course you're saying that asshole right right, right. <laughs> but um, it's true though. yeah you get to a level where Regardless if you're playing with Jakey e. Lee or Pat Travers like he was, or Stet was playing with Wasp or Metal Church, you get to a level at your instrument and how good you are, right? And if you're not that good on the latest album you did, then what do you, why are you doing that album? Yeah. So I see, yeah. my whole thing is that, you know, I'm that underground dude 
And I've always been that, you know, with whether whatever band I play in. And it's cool because I'm fine with that because, you know, I, I um, you know, I haven't been over promoted and, and, you know, I'm not tainted. You know, I got a, a pretty decent reputation and, and, and playing with guys like this is a total honor. You know what I mean? It, it, it is. But I hold my own. You know, I can do this. Uh, you know, I love hard rock and it's been my specialty. No matter what album I've put out since the last Freak Show album, it all represents that level of hard rock that, you know, either you're called to do it or you're not. And you know who those guys are along the way. Some of them have even made it for like an album, right? <laughs> right, right. Have you and ever then, been asked to join any other bands? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And uh, some people think I was dumb for not doing it. And some people, you know, are, are like, understand why I didn't. But and I don't want to name what bands. because okay. then they, I was going to say, know, can you name it? <laughs> I'd, li I'd like to, but I, at the same time, it's like when you don't do something, then that, that band immediately becomes your enemy. It's weird how that works. But uh, yeah, I got asked okay. when I was doing the first Freak Show record at that same time, uh, because of the circumstances of what was going on, a signed act came, came up to me and they're like, hey, we got this, we got this, we got this, will you be our singer? And I was like, Okay, okay, you know, I listened, right? And then I said, well, what's what it entails? Well, we do songs from our first album and our second album, but we have our whole third album written and everything. All you have to do is sing it. And right there, I was already turned off because I wasn't, I don't, I've never done an album where I don't like write something or do my own trip, right? I've never had someone tell me what to sing or whatever. So that was a really weird vibe there. And they were really, adamant about that so i i didn't do that and i'm kind of glad i didn't and then uh you know there was a there was a band well i i was almost the singer of the scream um john like, Parab yeah. john parabi actually this is what happened i was i was auditioning for motley crew and john greenberg was their management that i was dealing with and john greenberg handled no John Greenberg got my package from Motley Crue's people who uh, was 10th Street Entertainment or 7th, 10th Street Entertainment people gave my package to the Scream because they took John Karabi. So, so uh, John Eldredi comes to my hometown in the Bay Area and finds me in a club and goes, dude, got your demo? My manager is so-and-so. We need to have a talk. And I was in basically in the band. What happened? I learned I learned Man in the Moon and I started learning their songs. And uh, you know, Bouye was on the phone with me and going, dude, we are so psyched. I never talked to the drummer guy, but it was Aldredi. I was hanging out with him, and then I was sitting with Aldredi. And talking to Bruce on the phone, and then John Greenberg was calling me, and he's like, "We're ex really excited. Um, we we're gonna run your demo tape and you by uh, Hollywood Records." That and, was their label, uh, right? Yeah, that was their label, and they 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 were like, "Bruce is like, dude, we have badass riffs that are so much better than the first album, Killer Tunes." I'm listening to your demo of the, this band I was in uh, at the time. And he's like, you know, I love what you're doing. Just do the same thing in this, on this new record. And we'll be, everything will be great. I'm totally excited. You can do whatever you want. And then I was like, you know, I was like, you know, my early twenties at the time, barely. And uh, these dudes were like, uh, yeah, awesome. And then out of the blue, John Greenberg calls me and says, well, well, the label has this guy they want them to check out. Mm. That was it. They didn't put and a second the, record out, did they? No. And this guy came in and then they brought in another dude who did scratching. And oh, they were man. like trying to do some weird shit. 
and they were all miserable because I was talking to John and Bruce and they were like, dude, we're so, this sucks, but the labels will drop us if we don't get this singer because it's apparently someone, someone knows in the label and they want us to do some different funky style shit or something, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And it didn't work out anyway. So yeah. Well, you know, but the other band, I don't even want to mention because sure. it's just it's goofy, but you know, I did the freak show thing cause I had the high hopes. And so we ended up doing that. And then uh, I ended up quitting music for like four years after that whole fiasco with the first freak show. I went to get back to Canada where I was from. Didn't I lived there for a while. I didn't do anything. I didn't want to do, I was just, I didn't want to write or play. I, I was, I still kept in touch with Jeff Labar and his wife, Devonique. We would talk and we were always trying to think of if possibly something could happen, but Frankie would just, you know, was just the cancer. And Bobby Blotzer would tell me, he goes, dude, why didn't you ask me to play drums? Come on. And I was like, you know, I know. I don't, you know, now that I think about it, I don't, I don't know why I didn't because, uh, you know, Tony Franklin, I met Tony Franklin through Bobby Blotzer. So it's like, I know. Uh, I don't know. So he rubbed it in my face pretty good. <laughs> Back up a little bit because you mentioned Motley Crue auditioning for that. Did you get to go and go in the room and audition, or did you just? Get, I, didn't, I didn't even get that far. Didn't get that far. Okay. No, because Nikki Six, Nikki, Nikki really liked John. Mm-hmm. He loved Man in the Moon, and he loved sure. their song, and he thought they were badass. But he didn't give a shit about the band. They just wanted that singer. And they wanted that vibe, you know, mm-hmm. and I, that album's great. Oh, it's a great and, album. Yeah. And it's funny because I talked to John about that album a lot and I got all the inside stories on that. Cause when I, when I toured with rat back in a band called Amsterdam that I was in, John was the guitar player. He was the rhythm guitar player in that version of rat. And he gave me the best Motley Crue stories. And if anybody that knows John, John always goes, Hey, so this one time when I was in Motley, and that's how the story starts. <laughs> <I'll> start <laughs> um, but either way, uh, you know, uh, we are here now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it just really sucks that that Jeff Labar isn't a part of it. But, you know, working with Carlos Cavazzo, you know, listening to this record, you know, when you walk away from it for a while, then you come back and then you walk away and come back. I, I look at it, I listen to it like an outsider. And I go, son of a bitch, man. This is Stet Howland, Greg Chason, and Carlos. Who cares about me? Just those dudes came together on this record, and, and none of them ever played together before. And we're all playing together now, and it came out so great that I I'm can't wait for I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. How come, um, now, Greg's not with the band now right he played on the album but don't you have rick fox in there now right yeah rick 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 is playing he's gonna play live because greg is like you know he's got his atomic kings thing he does here and there and then he's got a really good gig you know a really good family and he's got a good situation where where it's like look man i I make this much a month i'm doing really well i don't want to screw this up you know, I've made enough mistakes in my life where I'm in a great place, you know? Yeah. Unless, you know, the album goes to number one and, you know, it's, it, it would outweigh his job, you know, <laughs> right. we, you know, we can't offer that when there's a brand new album and we're still in the stages of, well, let's see how it does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What video, can you say what song you did a video for? Yeah, we did a video for a song called You Shine. It's song number three on the album. And it was the, the the real obvious one, you know, like how you always have an obvious tune. Mm-hmm. But we have we have number of like singles. We, we we were having a hard time choosing the second one because we 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 filmed two in a, over a couple of days, and you know we did completely different vibes on both of them. But uh, we were like, man, should we do this one or should we do this? Like we have we have. Uh, we're not going to be done with these two probably i I could see us doing more than this is there going to be another single before the record comes out yeah you shine will be the first single but that's going to come out 
within the next couple of weeks before the album? Yeah, with okay. the video. Okay. So we'll be we'll be handing over that and and I, I believe our the new PR guy that we have the label has is going to be handing handling all the radio, other mm-hmm. than you know my connections that I got for some good internet stuff that I know you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll slip them all the track, but yeah, I think the main radio is going to be handled by that. And that's great because man, that saves me from having to do, you know, a hundred yeah. emails to people. And the album is called, uh, so shall it be right. Yes. Okay. Is that album cover? Is that the one with just like a horse on it or something? Right. Yes. Okay. That's the that's, album cover. Yeah. That's one of the four horsemen death on the white horse. Okay. Okay. Cool, man. Is it is it going to be CDs, vinyl? What are we doing here? Yeah, I, I, I'm getting a hint. The label kind of hinted to me that there might be some vinyl going on here. Hmm. Um, but yeah, CDs, you know, and then, you know, digital everywhere. Mm, of course. Yeah. Is it available for pre-order? Can someone um, go I, don't think, I don't think it has been yet. I think okay. what they're going to do is once it goes to press and all of that stuff, they'll they'll do the promo for that. Okay. So and I'm people, sure pardon? If 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 anybody listening wants to check out more information on Freak Show, what's the best place to get that info? Yeah, well, you can follow any of us on on uh well except for Carlos. He doesn't he's not on uh Facebook, but we're all on Facebook, you know, Stets on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, uh Greg's on Facebook, Rick's on Facebook, Carlos's wife is on Facebook, but I you know. Yeah. That's private kind of thing. But I'm sure there are people that are all, hey, can you tell Carlos this for me? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's not on social media. But, um, you know, you can go to Eonian Records, uh, dot com, and they have like all my Miss Crazy albums and solo album on there. The first Freak Show album you can get there. Uh, nice. There's it's a, it's, a re, it's a remastered version, and it has like a dedication inside for Jeff and for Frankie inside it. Oh, nice. So that's kind of cool. It's, it's it's a little different. The artwork's better. The, the original art album cover is the same, but the back in the inside, it's all different. All it's different. all it's, it's fancy. And you have, I believe, there's a freak show Facebook page, right? Uh, yeah. We, I think there's a a, a like page. I think. Yeah. I think there is. Yeah, I think there's a like page. Yeah. That's been up. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear the record because, like I said, yeah, I've dude, been a fan since the first one. What's that? Yeah. I can't wait for people to hear it because it's uh you know it's a lot a, a lot of more real singing and then you know I channel a lot of different people on there like you know uh you know I I I was brought up on Metallica and Queensryche and Ozzy and mm-hmm. and then you know there's some of my Miss Crazy style in there too but you yeah. know you you're going to hear some different kind of things in there and it's cool because it's all a tribute to hard rock when it comes down to it you know Yeah that's awesome yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate it and, and look forward to the next time. All right. We'll get you back on after that album comes out. You got it, bro. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs>